What is up all? Episode 29 coming to you next with personal injury attorney Joe Triscaro. Joe and I go back to law school. We've known each other for a while and uh, Joe's been doing some great things here in Northeast Ohio in terms of representation and his uh, impact in the law legal world here in Cleveland. Um, continuing to grow his practice. He's a sole practitioner. And we talk about what it's like to be uh, uh, an attorney and the highs and lows, especially in a contingency-based type of environment. Uh, the highs could be extremely high and the lows could be, of course, extremely low. And uh, when you're dealing with personal injuries and wrongful deaths and those kind of suits, then you're going to have a lot of waves of emotions, trials that can take years, uh, cases that can take years, and verdicts that can ultimately be overturned uh, one way or another. So um, it's a roller coaster full of emotions, and it's uh, not for the faint of heart, but uh, there's people out there that are hungry and motivated and uh, extremely driven, and uh, Joe Triscaro is one of those people. So um, I loved our conversation, 45 minutes long, and hope you will do the same. Sit back, relax, and welcome Mr. Joe Triscaro. The Optimal Life. So yeah, like I was saying is, is, uh, is thanks for coming first and first and foremost, but this has been just a ridiculous process, man. The, the, the moving process, I never want to do it again. How long have you guys been uh, where you're at? So we've been in our house about two years now. Uh huh. Um, and it's, it's been one project after another. Um, you know, my wife is similar to yours in a number of realms and, yeah. and she likes her little projects and so you know luckily she's given me some some free reign with the house you know we got a movie theater yeah, in there we got a movie theater in there now yeah. and you know working on the pool and the pool house nice so, man yeah nice. so it's it, it, it's fun it's exciting but you know there, there's no fun in in relocation it's no it's such a brutal process man it's it's like if you can make it through that process together i think you're kind of in the I don't want to say in the clear, but it's it's almost like smooth sailing from there on out. Uh, it's just so stressful. You know, think about the way that the process starts. You go from having to put your house up. First off, you have to find something that you like. So what we did is that we couldn't really find anything we liked, but we were just like, we want something new. We want to get out. We had the, the baby a couple years ago uh, looking to move to a new uh, school district. We're like, we're just going to give it a shot. Put our house up, see what we can do. We got a good offer. And then it's like, oh, you know, good news is you sold your house. Bad news is you have nowhere to fucking go. Right. Um, so we had 60 days, thankfully, to go close it out and, and, and go find something. But the inventory here in Cleveland, I mean, oh, the inventory is terrible. I, I hear it's awful. So we made the, I made the mistake or we made the mistake of, of stopping at an open house a couple of years ago for a house that was way out of our price range. And, and it, you know, and then I walked into the backyard and I just fell in love with the property. Oh, yeah. So I'm not a house guy. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a property guy and a view guy. And somehow we made it work. We had... Oh, is this the house? Yeah, this house I'm in now. Really? So we had about a week to sell our house. We were, it wasn't even on the market. And we, and we fi- found a way. We sold our house in about a week and, and found a way... To, to get a loan all within one week teeth. yeah it was it get was get out of town it was unbelievable and we actually had to relocate everything in one day the, the way things worked out so we had to move all our furniture clean up clean up our old house get it all in our new house and it was it was a nightmare yeah and i feel for you yeah well you know what it's it's uh in, in one respect that had to be like the most ridiculously ridiculous couple weeks of your life on the other side of it is this like when you don't have enough time to really fucking stress out about it, you just get thrown into the fire. 
you've got a week or two and you're just going okay it's going to be a brutal week it's going to be a brutal two three weeks whatever it was but think i guess you avoided the six months of looking and trying to find and unless you had some of that prior too oh we did but but sometimes it's better when your back's up against the wall yeah it really just lights a fire under your ass that's true says get it done somehow it is it is true um so this this property wasn't like misneyland was it It no no i'm not (laughs) i'm not i'm not at that level you know i can't like uh (laughs) misneyland they call it no unfortunately i don't i don't have the war chest to engage in million dollar marketing companies nationwide you know it may be one day but but i will stick to my individual what is that well i've heard i mean i've heard for people that don't know what we're talking about we're talking about tim misney's uh, property right and from what i've heard i've heard it's they, they call it Disneyland. It's like Disneyland, except, you know, uh, I heard it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I've heard it's beautiful as well. I've never seen it. How many person. acres is it? Do you know? I have no idea. No clue. No Where idea. is that? Do you have any idea? I, I know he maintains an office over, I believe, in the Kirtland area. I, uh, I've got to imagine it's somewhere. See, we've got to come up with so, like a, a catchy slogan, a catchy, you know, one of those catchphrases for you, man. I, it's just something that's something that sticks. But, I, I you know, I, all jokes aside, I noticed that in that in that world, the legal world, especially personal injury, and there's a lot of comp- there's a lot of firms that market, and there, they use those catchy slogans. They you know? do, they do. There's a, there's a lot of competition. So, you know, my goal when when marketing in, in the legal community is to keep things as professional as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think you know some of those marketing campaigns give attorneys a bad rap as as an ambulance chaser or something to that effect and and so I've never been kind of inclined to to come up with a catchy slogan yeah. or something like that. You know, I kind of let the work speak for itself and sure. and you know and, and what I always tell people is, you know, if if you feel like you trust me and and can have a good relationship with me, I'm happy to assist you. If you feel that I'm not the right person for the job, and and you want something like that or you know along those lines, go with them. It's 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 fine with me, but I've never been to one and engage in in catchy slogans or 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 something that would kind of uh, you know push people where they don't want to be. I want them to be comfortable with me at the end of the day yeah. and and form those types of relationships. That's what's important. To is me. it is your practice? Is it just you currently? It is. I'm a I'm a solo practitioner. So, uh-huh. you know, I've had my own, own practice where I had a partner for about 7 or 8 years and then when he retired, um, I did have an associate for some time, but I've been a a solo now for the last couple of years myself and my paralegal and you know, and I love it. It's, yeah, it's you know, it, it gives me a lot of flexibility in the types of cases I can take on, um, and if something comes in that's significantly complex, I've forged enough good relationships with good plaintiffs and lawyers in town that that I can bring in a co-counsel. So it right. gives me it really it's really enjoyable. It gives me the flexibility to take on the cases I want to take on nowadays. Sure, and litigate those. And well, that's great that you're in that position to be able to do that. You know, that's a that's a tough place to get, especially in this kind of law. Where, correct me if I'm wrong, it's majority of its contingency fees. Yeah, so I would say eighty to ninety percent of my work nowadays is contingency based. So yeah, I mean there are huge ups and downs. I oh mean, yeah, I mean there. How about that Supreme Court case, right? Well, the Ohio, yeah. yeah. So I, I've had I've had two cases go up to the Ohio Supreme Court. So right. I've been lucky enough to argue two cases in the Ohio Supreme Court and. And you know what I consider, uh, you know, the beginning of my career. So I've been very lucky to do that. I, I don't know how many other attorneys can tell you that they've done that through the entirety of their career. And uh, you know, and and that's that's a typical example. Well, not a typical example, but that's a, an example of, 
you know, how difficult plaintiff trial personal injury work can be. You know, that case was was filed. That case we we ended up trying. It was a two week trial in, in Cuyahoga County where we got I, I think somewhere in approximately seven, eight hundred thousand dollar verdict. You know, we went up to the Court of Appeals. It was not only affirmed, but then we got another hearing on punitive damages, which can be substantial in those types of cases. And then and then we went up to the Ohio Supreme Court and by a four three narrow margin we lost it all. And and those and, are and when you say you went up that's because the other side continued to file um, appeals. Appeals. They right. were appealing. They kept losing, but they continued to file appeals till it got to the highest court. Right. Okay. And and, and the Supreme Court has a, a it, it's called a discretionary appeal at that point. So the Supreme Court does not have to take on a case like that. But when dealing with a defendant like that, First Energy. Um, you know, they take on those types of cases sometimes. And, 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 and sometimes the disappointing part in, in, in the legal field is, you know, when, when politics can somehow work its way into the court system, um, you know, especially at that level. So, you know, getting, even getting a 4-3 decision, I think, was, wow, was, was pretty substantial and, and, and speaks loudly, in, you know, in terms of how egregious their behavior was in that particular case. But, you know, you feel terrible about, you know, for the client. Um, you know, I just felt horrible for what the family had been through and, and, and how much... This had something to do with a, a utility pole, if I yeah, remember. It was, it was. It was yeah. a motorcycle vehicle accident with the utility pole where the pole should have been relocated. They had agreed to relocate it, and they just simply refused to and for budgetary reasons. And, you know, and, and there was a significant catastrophic injury with the motorcycle. And, you know, after a prior car accident with one of these poles, and, you know, and, and you just feel... And, for the client in a situation like that, and so you spend seven years litigating. I was going to ask you how long this. I think it, I think we were seven eight years Come litigating on, really? the case. Um, you know, and 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 the there's a huge outlay of expense oh, involved, geez. and that's all on you if you lose. It is. It yeah. is. So you know, it's those are the you know there, there's lows and there's highs. I mean, at the end, of the day, it was a great legal experience for me. You know, but. But you know you feel terrible for the client, and, and you want to you want to prevail and set good precedent, set good law. I mean that's what we set out to do. You know you want to be not only do you want to you know make money and, and put money in your client's hands when dealing with pers- personal injury type cases, but you want to be a conduit for change, right? Right. Future so, future potential cases of the same magnitude. Right. And well, you and you want to make the world safer yeah. if you can. You want you want to set the precedent so other people behave maybe differently. Right. The people that were misbehaving or right. not doing the right thing. Right. Yeah. And, and and the way you do that with these bigger companies is you, you hit them up for big verdicts cuz you know they you know when they when it, they're hit in their pocketbooks you know, they say they start rethinking in terms of well maybe what we're doing isn't appropriate. Maybe we should really consider safety, health, welfare of of the individuals, whether on the road, whether in the hospital, or, or wherever they may be, and 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 that's at the end of the day what you really hope you're doing. Sure, sure. And when you talk punitive damages for people that don't understand, I mean, you're talking what multiples of potentially ten times, fifty times. It, what so are you talking? so it depends, and 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 there's different levels. There are limits on punitive damages, and we can get into that conversation as mm-hmm. well. With 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 tort reform came certain limitations on what what you can get in terms of awards. So when you look at punitive damages, sometimes they're limited to two times your compensatory, two times what you got in terms of your verdict. So, you know, and and there are limits in a lot of cases nowadays on what we call non-economic damages. 
pain and suffering to people have certain limits in certain types of cases. Sometimes it can be 250,000 and sometimes it could be 350,000. Like emotional distress type thing. Well, not only that, but pain, pain and suffering. Yeah. And, and so, you know, if you have, you have a, a child that's going to be, that's injured and is going to be, you know, need medical care the rest of her life and, you know, and parents that are going to deal with that for the rest of their lives. And you tell, have to tell them that, I'm sorry, you're capped at 350,000 or 250,000 for your pain and suffering. You know, those are difficult conversations to have. And, you know, and, and insurance companies have done a great job in selling the fact that, that you know, there's frivolous lawsuits all over the place. Um, and that, you know, and, and all these lawyers are out just to file cases and, right. and, and take chase, and, chase, and, and chase, 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 chase. In the reality, of, you know, a lot of the filings have gone down. Um, and, you know, and, and for me, for instance, you know, and especially in the, in the medical realm, you know, I might take on one out of 50 cases that, that, that contact me. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and I think most firms nowadays are extremely selective in terms of the types of cases that they take on. So, you know, it, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's tough when they take it out of the jury's hands and the legislature wants to kind of legislate, you know, what you can recover. And, and, you know, hopefully that'll change in the, the impending sure, years. Sure. What was the, what was the other case that you argued in front of the Supreme Court? There, it was, it was a probate issue and, and it's not, it wasn't very interesting. Uh, I won't get into the yeah, details. No. <laughs> um, it was a, a claim notice issue. So yeah, but it was, you know, it's, that was it's, the second time you got that in front was the of second the Supreme time. Court. Yes. I, I will say I watched a portion of your, I, somebody posted that you were going to be on, and I watched a portion of your argument on this. I don't remember if it was live or if I watched it on a delay, but I remember thinking to myself, first and foremost, holy shit, he's got to be nervous as all hell going up there because, listen, we're all humans at the end of the day. It's your first time getting up there in front of, and this is, I didn't know this, but this is going on seven years at this point with your with your client. And then on top of that, it was your first time, and all this money is on the line, and this is the final step, and you have to go in front of the highest court in the land, in, in the state, and uh, argue your case. So t- I thought, I thought, I thought you did an awesome job. I mean, you looked co- cool as a cucumber up there. You argued, articulated well. You were, you looked like you've done this a bunch of times. But talk about what that. Experience well, was well. Like. Fr- frankly, uh, it, it was. It's extremely intimidating. So, um, when you approach that lectern, you have seven Supreme Court justices sitting, basically high in the clouds above you. Mm-hmm. And and the way it works when you're arguing an appellate case like that is, you know, you, you can give a very brief introductory remarks, with, and, and brief, I would say, ten to fifteen seconds. And usually, if you have a what we consider a hot bench. Um, the justices will start peppering you with questions immediately. And so you have to have the ability. You're busy trying to introduce yourself and they're like, shut the fuck up. Anyways. (laughs) Exactly. And and so, you know, you have to kind of gather yourself, respond to their question, you know, have an understanding of it and have an understanding of what that justice may have been, may have ruled in prior cases. Should I deal like you know, should I spend a, a significant amount of time with this question? Should I try, try to brush it off as quickly as possible because I'm not going to get anywhere with this justice? I mean, you have a lot of thoughts uh, running through your heads. But but getting back to your initial question, yeah, I was shitting my pants. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think I, I think I may have watched it once or twice, and I think my voice cracked like I was in seventh grade at the beginning. And but you know, after those initial nerves and and getting up there, and you know, after 10, 15 seconds, that fades away. Yeah, and, and all that anticipation. It's yeah. like, all right, here we are again. Right. I've done this a bunch of times. Yeah. And, and when you're dealing with a fact pattern and a legal issue you have for with six or seven years, 
I mean, you know that you know it like the back of your hand, and you sure. should, and you should be able to recite it by then. Yeah. Um, you know, and once you once you calm your nerves, so yeah. I mean, and you were it, up there for what fifteen minutes, give or yeah, take. Yeah, typically it's fifteen, 15 minutes. minutes. Yeah. What a cool experience, though. I mean, after you do that, it's like okay, I've done this. I've gone to the highest court in the state. The only higher court that there is would be the Supreme Court of the United States. Yeah, and I don't think that's happening. It's yeah. for me. <laughs> So uh, that's really cool, though. That's really cool that you were able to do that and get that experience and, and you know, do that in a, in a short period of time. You obviously did a second one probably within the, a year of that. Yeah, I think I, I argued two cases within the same year. So, sure. you know, and, and I think, you know, that was one of the youngest attorneys. on. When you found out that you guys lost that case, what was that moment like? It was, it was, it was crushing. I mean, you know, it was. And I you knew. feel bad for the family. What about for yourself after well, all that time, too? I listen. I didn't really feel bad for myself. I knew I had done everything I could. Of. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I, I left anything out there where I could have second guessed myself to say, Joe, if I would have done this differently, the outcome would have been changed. Um, I felt I spent the I spent countless hours dealing with it. You know, we, we, we brought in fantastic experts. We did a great job at trial, great job in the initial appeal. And I think we did a great job with the Ohio Supreme Court. But there are certain factors, you know, that, that you cannot control. Outside your control, yeah. And, and, and so, but, but knowing that at least I felt like I had done everything I could do. Um, do you, know, you like I tried, I, tried, I tried, basically tried to tell myself, well, you know, the experience um you know, take it for the experience. I mean, that that's what really has has helped me through. Yeah. You know, trying to get past the L because there are there are W's and L's. That's what in my it business. is. Sure, of course. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to get into your in your psyche when you lose something like that. You know, I could relate it to losing out on the contract in business or losing out when I was representing NFL players. Getting the phone call after a year worth of recruiting, that it's down to the final two, right? One side and two side, and they go the other way. Right. And so I and I know those those moments, those moments could either crumble you, or those moments make you even hungrier. You know, what, once you get over that initial, and I'm just trying to get into your psyche of, do you go home that night and say, this is this is a what am I doing in, in personal? Some days. Yeah. So there, there are just huge peaks Swings. and valleys. I mean, there, there yeah. truly are. And you have to have really tough skin. That's what it comes down you, to. You really do. I was, I was, I was thinking somehow to relate it, you know, through some sort of metaphor, you know, but, and, and I, I think one way to relate it to is, is like this, you know, just based upon recent Cavalier, Cleveland Cavaliers play. So, <laughs> so we go into the Toronto series and we win the series 4-0, you know, and, and, and near the end of that series, we look like we were really getting our shit together. We look like we were really coming together as a team. We're on the top of the world, right? So They looked unbeatable. They did. They yeah. did. And, and, and so, you know, the feeling was, you know, we're going to go back to the championships. We're going to compete with whoever comes out of the, we, the, the West, excuse me. And, and, you know, everything is, is great. Fast forward to two, fast forward a week, and two games against Boston, and now we're back down in the dumps. You know, LeBron has no supporting cast. Coach Lou sucks. You know, and 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 those are the types of roller coaster feelings that I go through in business. Sure, uh, being on top of the world one week uh, because you know I got a great jury verdict or the you know significant substantial settlement that's going to change some people's lives to to losing a substantial case that I spent seven years of my life yeah, working on. Yeah. So and that you had been winning. 
for six six plus years, right? Every step of the way, right? So, yeah, th- those are the peaks and valleys, and and you, you've got to roll with the punches. I mean, you know, and 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 we talked about this, you know, before we kind of came on the air, and you know that, you know, we, athletics as a kid, I think have have assisted me in dealing with those issues through the years, especially individual type athletics. Um, you know, my kids are heavily involved in wrestling, and, and I was involved in wrestling as, as a youth. And I've kind of taken that type of same attitude into my business. Yeah, and, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that that's why it is so important to get your kids involved in something, whether it's wrestling or football or tennis or dance, like my kids do, or just some type of competitive atmosphere where they're where they're using their talents, where they're challenging themselves where they're going to realize they're not going to most of the time not be the best person in the room or the best guy on the mat or the best person on the court but they're constantly trying to improve and get better i mean those lessons losing is important how else do you know how else to 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 deal with it it nowadays half these kids they're all getting up participation awards yeah maybe. how can you ever learn how to deal with losing a verdict in the courtroom no you, you right? can't and 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 the reality of life mm-hmm. no matter what business you're in is you're going to take some heavy hits on the chin i mean it's 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 the reality and, and it, it you know it may be few and far between depending on what type of business you're in or what type and, and even in your personal life you're going to take some heavy hits and so i've i've always been a huge advocate for getting getting your kids into some form of athletics and 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 team athletics are fantastic but i think along with team athletics they should be involved in some sort of individual sport mm-hmm. um the, the the reason being is you can't blame anyone else for losing you can't blame your coaches you can't blame your teammates if if, if it's you out there doing it and it doesn't and it doesn't have to be wrestling it doesn't have to be a combative sport some kids aren't built like that right. they're just passive it could be golf. kids it could be golf it could be anything yeah. But, but you need to, they need to shoulder the burden of trying to compete on their own. And, you know, and they can't push that burden upon anyone else other than themselves. They can't, they can't do the eye rolling like Jeff Van Gundy said the other night about the cat. Did you hear that? <laughs> no, I might have turned the game off by then. <laughs> oh, it was one of the greatest lines I've ever heard. He goes, he goes the Cavs do more eye rolling at each other than a, than an old married couple with like a bad marriage like a, an old couple and a bad marriage right it's like and it, it's true it is every time someone one of these guys makes a mistake they're all huffing and puffing and they're sloughing it off onto the next guy and what you, that's exactly what you're saying take ownership right. and the only way you could take that extreme ownership is when it's me myself and I and there's nobody else to blame so I get all the glory if I win and if I don't win I get all the heartache right right and that's and, and and there is so much more that these kids learn from taking a loss that's, than taking that's, a win. That back to and, that, and, yeah. and, and getting back. I mean, listen, the, the participation thing is great when they're really young, you know. But as they get older, they you've got to learn how to lose. How old are your boys? They're seven and eight years old. Yeah, um, and they're in, they've been wrestling for several years, right? Yeah, you know, my little one started when he was like four. Okay, um, and wow. he was, but he's just been that type of kid where you could. He was, you know, he was more of an aggressive kid. You know, he's more independent. He would go out there. You know, he doesn't care. And, and, and that's helped him in that sport athletically. My, my other child's extremely passive, conservative, but he still, he still can do it. it Who's the one that's winning all these tournaments? My, 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 the my younger, younger one. one. Oh, it's yeah. the younger one. Yeah. Is that Teo? Teo, yeah. Yeah, okay. 
He's killing it. Yeah, he's been doing well. He's, he's been doing, doing well. right. I, I see you guys on Facebook posting things, and it's like, up oh, there he is again, getting yeah. that arm raised, yeah. hitting somebody. And yeah, he's been doing, and it's and it's and it's so much fun for me to get back That's into gotta it. That's gonna be awesome, you know. And it's but it, by the same token, you know, I consider myself a dad and not a coach. I think that's another issue I see a lot of today. Mm-hmm. Today, mm-hmm. you know, you can't live vicariously through your kids. You know, I will push them as far as they want to be pushed, but I'm not going to force them to do anything. So the, so the day my kids comes and, and says to me, I don't want to do this anymore, we're going to have a long conversation about particularly the reasons why they want to do something. But but in you know, if, if you commit to something, you commit to it. But I'm not the, you know, and I see it all the time that you can't push a kid too far to yeah. where they're going to hate it. You can't, you can't scream, yell at a kid. You know, I went to a seminar, a coaching seminar, probably a couple months ago, talking about positive reinforcement, and you know, and and how important, especially with today's children, that positive reinforcement is, as opposed to being negative or yelling at them or telling them they did something wrong. Um, I, I forget this exact statistic, but I think 80% of kids may quit their sport by the age of 12. And the number one reason that they do so is they just they say they just don't like it anymore. And the reason they don't like it anymore is because there's some sort of negative influence on them, what, i.e. a parent or a coach, that's, that's, that's getting on top of them in, in a negative fashion. And, and if you can show kids more positive reinforcement through athletics, um, you know, sky's the limit for them. It truly is. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. And there's nothing worse when you see than when you see a parent that's just belittling their child. And you know that if they're doing that out in public and they're doing that on the mat or in the gymnasium or wherever they're doing it, could you imagine what they're doing at home? And it carries into the home. They go home that night. The dad's cursing potentially at them, telling them they they suck or they they're a failure. And of course, and that's what I think you're talking about. A lot of these kids realize, wait a second, this is not separate. There's not a, this is a blurred line kind of thing. It's not like athletics is separate for me from my home life. And a lot of them end up realizing, especially when their parents are involved, whether they're coaching or whether they're just involved, hey, this is going to affect the way that I feel at home tonight. This is going to affect my family's week, my family's weekend. And Back to what you're saying is the positive reinforcement is so important because I bet you the kids that are getting that reinforcement aren't the ones most likely that are quitting at 10, 11, 12 years old. Right, and, and, and the ones that are having those negative experiences are the ones. And it's yeah. not only a negative experience through athletics and at home, but it carries them through a negative experience into life. Right. And that's, you know, and that's no way to, to start a life. No, I mean, especially really at not. such a young age. It's not that serious. And what what's going to happen? Is your son going to become uh, the the next Mister Olympia? Not at, seven, gold, not, not at seven medal? years old. I mean, what's what are you looking for? What are you looking for from your kid? Let be happy your kid lost. Embrace the fact that your kid's losing. That's going to make him or her better. Uh, at the end of all of it, as long, you know that that's that's really what it comes down to. Uh, you must love doing it, though. Like you said, you must love just going back and watching your boys. You're not coaching, right? You're just more I, I, involved I, from the side a little. Yeah, bit. yeah. I, I, I'm. I want. I'm a dad, and I want You're to be a dad, dad first, and then yeah, right. And and, and and so when if they have a tough night or a tough day, how do you handle that with them? We talk about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I think that the most important thing is to you know, first of all, you have to know 
know your child. I mean, you know, I've got one child that needs a significant, has a hot head, needs a significant cooling period before before I can even approach him and have those discussions. And so, you know, you, you have a kid that, for instance, comes off a wrestling mat and is, you know, lost a tough one and is super pissed off, which is fine, you know, and, and that shows their competitive spirit. Mm-hmm. That's not a good time to talk to them, mm-hmm. right? Um, let them let them deal with it. Kids are so resilient. Ten, you know, ten minutes later, they'll be having fun with their friends playing video games. But let them deal with that immediacy afterwards of that emotional roller coaster, and then talk to them. Have the conversation. You know, what can we do to get better? You know, what you know, what did you do that was good in that match? You know, how can we learn from this? And if you have those types of conversations, they continue to be engaged and stay positive about it. Sure, sure. And it's, isn't that amazing how, like, two, your kids that come from the same people and one of them, how different they can be and how different they take to a certain situation. Every kid kind of needs his own way of coaching or being brought up in life. I see it with my kids. You know, I, my daughter, one of my, one of my kids might take real well to the tough love and the other one shuts down. And you have to know your audience. You have to know who you're dealing with in those things. And that, again, translates over to what, like you said before, the business world. Translates over into your legal practice, I'm sure, all the time. Each client's different. Each situation's going to be unique, and you're going to have to know how to handle this client A from client B and C and D, right? I mean, everyone has their own kind of thing. Um, Talk about a little bit back to the law stuff. Talk about... Uh, the types of cases that you're taking now and the types of different clients that you encounter, if you could. Yeah, so so, uh, my law practice has somewhat progressed and transitioned and changed, you know, over the past few years. I mean, you know, when when I started off, and I was was thinking about this today, I started renting office space for, I think, about $500 a month. I had no clients. Did you start right off, sorry to interrupt, but did you start right off out of law school? Well, I... So out of law school, I ended up, I was in uh, out of New Jersey for a little bit doing some consultant work. I lived, I moved down to Florida for about a year. Because you and I were at Marshall for at least a year or so right. together. Yeah, right. okay. And and so out of law school, I was in New Jersey. Then I was down, I moved to Naples in Florida for about a year. So I passed the bar in Florida as well. Um, I wasn't practicing, I was working for an investment firm down there. And then um, my stepmom just had, she had a horrific heart attack where it took them um, an hour to revive her. So she's Jeez. got a, a significant serious brain injury um, and she needs 24-hour care. And so when that happened, um, there was, you know, my dad basically focused all his energy and has done so for the past 10 years on her. And, um, and he, I mean, he's just a saint. Wow. He's a, he's a saint. And, you know, so the plan was at that point in time when after she'd experienced this event, um, you know, there was no one there to kind of run my dad's asphalt company. So, so I came back, um, had to run his paving and asphalt company for really? a, a time period, and then, and then happened to have a discussion with uh, one of his old attorneys. They had an open office, and and the discussion was come in here. You know, see, you know, I got an open office. Pay me five hundred bucks a, a month, mm-hmm. and and see what where it goes from there. And that kind of transitioned into a partnership with him. Um, and you know, at the beginning stages, you know, you, you take whatever walks through the door, right? I mean, sure. you got nothing going on. Yeah. And you're just like, holy shit! Somebody actually wants to use me. I mean, can this one of my great. can one of my friends get a DUI? It's like Memorial <laughs> exactly. Day weekend. Yeah. So 
you know, I really need that thousand bucks. You can't believe it, man. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm going to be billing this person X amount of dollars. I guess law school paid off. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah at least they weren't legalizing marijuana back then. Yeah. I, mean, I, would have, I would have put a really ha- big hamper on my practice. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so, you know, there was a general practice. So I've, you know, I've had the opportunity to try just about every case you can try. I mean, I've tried custody cases, divorce cases, medical oh, malpractice really? cases, wow. wrongful death cases, probate cases, intellectual property cases. Any criminal stuff too? I've like tried criminal stuff. I've yeah. tried criminal. I haven't taken a criminal case in a few years, but I used yeah. to try criminal cases. And you know, and, my buddy Greg uh, Greg Gentile, right? Yes, he yes. he was on here. He okay. was on here at the beginning. We graduated together. Yeah. He's, he does that. He does OVI and drug cases. I don't know That's how. It. I, you know, it's it's it's, it's a does. tough it's a tough go. I mean, yeah, it's a tough yeah. client client base. Yeah. But um, so, but the good thing about doing all of that is is there's you know a lot of law practice nowadays are really niche practices. You know, all I do is is medical malpractice. All I do is business litigation or something to that effect. And and there is so much even so much crossover. You know, it, it really has helped me over the years when when taking on new cases is, you know, I just took on a, you know, a probate litigation case a few weeks ago, but there are there are divorce kind of decree related matters that are intertwined. So I don't have to bring in an outside counsel to deal with it. I've dealt with those types of issues in the past. Interesting, but, yeah. But as my practice has transitioned, you know, the last couple of years, I, you know, I would say 80 to 90% of my practice is catastrophic injury uh-huh. and wrongful death, uh, whether that be, you know, motor vehicle accident, um, you know, it, and significant medical malpractice cases, along with business litigation, you know, breach of contract type matters. And, and who's, a, who's a typical client for you in a wrongful death? Is it the next of kin, like the ch- children, maybe a spouse, or it could be anything, yeah, right? So, so in, in order to proceed in a wrongful death action, you've got to proceed on behalf of the, per, the decedent, the person that died, their estate. Mm-hmm. So, so typically, who's re- the, the, I'm getting retained by the next of kin, whether that be a surviving spouse, whether that be the children, the siblings, the parents, and we open the estate and we proceed on behalf of the estate. So gotcha. those are, t- they're, they're tough cases. I oh, mean, they're, yeah. you know, it's, 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 and, and people don't realize, I mean, you know, cause you're not only dealing with the executive of the estate, you're dealing with the entirety of the family. Um, in a lot of those cases, cause you know, it's, you've tight knit families and, you know, and, and they've, you know, it's, it's, they're very emotional and mm-hmm. it's, and it's tough. And, and sometimes you have to set that aside so you can really do your job. But but those are the types of cases over the past you know two or three years that we've mainly focused on. Nice, that's uh, that's incredible. And again, that's all contingency. So, right, most of it is. So you're putting yourself, you're investing in you. But again, back to investing yourself, right? right. You Absolutely. win. You win. The highs are the highs. The lows are going to be very low. Right. We talked about the lows. What about the highs, though? What are those feelings like when you win a trial? It's. It, yeah, you know, <laughs> so so there's a time, there's a time when when you, if you're trying a, a jury case, okay, so when you know the the amount of preparation time that goes into tr- uh, a jury trial is is substantial because mm-hmm. it's 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 not just preparing a few questions for a couple people. I mean, you've got you've got to you've got to do jury selection or, or voir dire, which which is really really tough. You've got to do an opening state. Probably the most underrated get, part of the whole process. Yeah, right? and, and, yeah, yeah, and and the only way to really learn how to do jury selection is just to do it. Yeah, and so you know the the more you're up there, you know. It, 
talking to juries that the better you're going to be and, uh-huh. and so you know you prepare for jury selection you prepare for opening statement you prefer prepare all your direct examinations your cross examinations motion practice throughout closing arguments jury instructions i mean there's a ton of work that goes into it and then there's this 10 second period of time when it when you the jury's reached a verdict they walk out, they sit down, and they hand. And this is likely years in the making, right? From the years, whole thing, years in the years, making. Years, and yeah. you know, depending on the type of the case, you may have $100,000 down on the line, and, 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 you know, and so many hours you can't even talk. And, right. and you know, these are, these are the types of cases where you wake up at 4 in the morning, you think about something, and you jot it down yeah. on, the, on, the, you know, on the pad next to, your, yeah. next to your bed because you don't want to forget about it. Uh, a I'm sure that point. that's all that happens all the time, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, nowadays I email myself. I don't. Well, know it's something, anymore. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this 10 second period of time when the when the uh, foreman of the jury hands the verdict to the judge, and the judge reads it, and it is it's a you, the best feeling wow. you've ever heard you've ever felt in the entire world. Yeah. When the when the verdict is in your favor. That's and and it is the worst, most crushing <laughs> gut <laughs> shot no, in the world. It's either zero or hundred. What it is not. It. Yeah, yeah. And the, and sometimes you win to lose. Sometimes you win the verdict, and you, you, you know the scoreboard is not too great in terms of the monetary figure. But right. But you know. But it's, a victory is a victory, and it and, is. All, and, and your clients happy most of the time. If you win, you, it's got to be such a crazy moment. Yeah. And, and and you're hugging, and the client. You know how happy your clients are. The family. Especially in a wrongful death or something like catastrophic like that, where they lost a family member that they shouldn't have ever lost if it wasn't for maybe the negligence of the other party, right? Those kind of things. Yeah, so, and, and, and those are the ones that you know that, that you're proud of, you're happy of, you're happy oh. for the client. But yeah, I mean, it's it, it's an amazing feeling. It truly is, and you know, or or it's you know, you want to you know crawl in a hole and yeah. Know, so to leave just because I don't understand this, but so let's say you win a case anyone that's winning wins a case against a a medical mail case and you win a case against a doctor or uh insurance company how is that once the judge renders the verdict and okay they owe x amount of dollars a half a million dollars how is that paid out and who's it paid from and how does so so the 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 other issue is this so people don't realize when you when you get a verdict that doesn't mean you're going to collect on the verdict um and and it can mean a number of factors so you want to hear you know, you hear in the news every few months or every you know a few times a year, someone got a twenty-five million dollar verdict or forty million dollar verdict. Well, the the reality is they're not collecting twenty-five million dollars or forty million dollars. Yeah, like who's paying that, right? <laughs> um, based upon what we talked about, you know, before a lot of those verdicts are cut back substantially due to um, caps, limitations yeah. on the amount you can recover. And so once you get the verdict. That's not the end. I mean, it, it, things could drag out for many years and beyond. So, so once the verdict's in, that's great. You did a great job trying a case. You can give yourself a pat on the back. But you got to expect a significant amount of post-trial motion practice. There can be motions for new trials. There can be what we call motions for judgment, notwithstanding the verdict, saying the jury got it wrong. Judge, take it out of their hands. You know, there could be, and uh, on, on so many different caveats. Yeah. And so, so you have, you know, you can file motions for attorney fees. And once you get, and, and that could take a year. Yeah. Just, just post-trial just fees, motions. Yeah. And then once that's done, now you're out of the Court of Appeals. And there's two levels of appeals in Ohio. So you, first you go to the, you know, to the, the District Court of Appeals, you know, whoever sits above whatever county you've tried the case in. 
And you know that can take another year, year and a half, and, and that's a substantial amount of work in terms of filing briefs, doing mm-hmm. an oral argument. Sure. And then, and then, even if that goes well, you can have an appeal through the Ohio Supreme Court. And then, even if even that goes well, it, the, the Supreme Court may remand it for, for some other issues. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's great getting verdicts, um, you know, and it's it's even greater settling cases sometimes oh, oh, that's because oh, yeah. because you know they're going to write you a check and and and. But the thing about you, and I think we've talked about this before, is that people know you're going to try it. There's a lot of attorneys that shy away from truly trying a case. Yeah, it, it, it does. A lot of guys don't like to. They're going to say, "Oh, they'll threaten to do it," but you know when you're dealing with an attorney that's going to do it versus an attorney that's just. Hey, let's 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 make it the let's find a middle ground and kind of settle this. And that which is where ninety eight percent of these probably go at anyways. You know, ninety percent plus. But the, when the, you have an attorney that that's willing to get out there and say, "Hey, man, you should, I'll be willing to settle as long as it's going to be fair." And if it's not, we're going to go. There's uh, there's a leverage there when you have an attorney like yourself doing that. Absolutely. Yeah, you know? the, the the only way truly to get full value for a settlement. The other side has to think that you're going to you're either going to try that case or you're willing to try that case. Mm-hmm. Because if they do not, if you're just in it for the you know for whatever the the check is that you might get in terms of settlement, they're not going to pay as much as they would have. Right. So, so I I always tell you know people just getting into it, um, the legal profession try as many cases as you can. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 even the small ones because you can learn so much and 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 if you set that precedent out there that says I'm willing to go, you know, go the extra mile, I'm willing to go all the way. Sure. Because you're never and if you prepare like that, you prepare a case like it is gonna to go to trial and they they truly believe you're willing to take it there, that's when you're that's when you're really doing a service for your clients. No doubt. Because that's when you get the most value out of the claim. I assume trials are nerve wracking, but I'm sure they're riveting for people like yourselves. I would think that, that would be there'd be some really fun moments. When you're trying a case and you're making arguments and you're looking at a jury or a judge and you and you're hammering you're hammering points and you know that you're it's coming across that's got to be a pretty cool feeling it, it there there are some moments in trials that are extremely exhilarating and fun uh-huh. there are a ton of moments that are extremely mundane and boring yeah um you know it's not court tv no uh, but but yeah i mean when those moments come along i mean it's it's awesome. It's a high, right? Cool. It's a high. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really awesome. Um, what's your so you're taking mostly those types of cases? Are you planning on expanding, or are you kind of happy just doing this right now as the sole practitioner? I'm, I'm extremely content and happy. Of, of got the of, flexibility. Of where I'm at. The, yeah, it's you know, you know, I thought for many years, you know, why not have you know three, four partners and yeah. seven, eight associates, and. You know what I what I found out about myself because you kind of got to know yourself as as you go on in life is that you know it's that's not that the more corporate environment that I get into that's the not less really happy thing. I am. Yeah. Um, you know I, I'm happy with the flexibility of of doing what I want to do when I want to do it, and you know in having my own practice and being a solo, I have I have the flexibility to to take the cases I want to take on sure. and I have the flexibility if, if, if I want to go do something with one of my kids, I can go do something with one of my kids. And, and, and that's what I really enjoy. Um, you know, so, you know, th- where I'm at now, I really don't have any desire You're just to expand. You're just loving it. You're in a great spot. Well, not, you know, not expand my practice in terms of 
the amount of people. Um, you know, obviously it's great if I can get like, you know, five seven figure cases in each year, but I know that's not reality. What's either. the biggest case you've ever settled? So or one. So I had the biggest case I've had was about one point three million. Nice. Um, and I've had a few six hundred thousand dollar cases. Those are big. Those are um, nice cases. And it, yeah, I mean, those it, it's great. I mean, it's 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 a great thing to be involved in. It's a great thing in in terms of, you know, some of those cases were very hotly contested and mm-hmm. and to come know, out victorious. Way. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. How many cases? Uh, how many current clients do you think you have at any given time? Probably active. I would say forty. Around really? 40, yeah. Wow. So we've probably got around 40 to 50 claims at a time. Do you do um, free consults? We generally do. Uh-huh. The, you know, and, and some and some of these don't pan out. I mean, you know, the, the reality sure. is sometimes we'll, you know, we'll, we'll take on a case um, with the premise that, you know, we, we think you have a claim here and we'll, we'll either get some records and, and, you know, the reality is you don't. And, right. You know, and those are, you know, I have those conversations all the time. Those are tough conversations. Sure. Too. Um, but yeah, I, I think somewhere thereabouts, you know, is is and, and and some of those some of those are very time intensive, and some are not. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Hey, man, I, I think it's great that you're doing it. I, I've never practiced a day in my life, and I just if I was ever to practice, I always said I'll either would have gone to criminal defense or probably personal injury. The personal injury stuff, I love the high risk, high reward. I just like that kind of stuff. It's got to be such a cool feeling. Because I remember those moments even in the agent business when our guy gets drafted, like the 40th pick in the draft. And I I jumped off. The, I mean, my head almost hit the ceiling. You know what kind of feeling that it, after all the blood, sweat, and tears, getting your guys ready? It's the same thing for you, you know? Going through the years, years and years in the making to get to the trial, to get to that verdict. And that verdict's read and you guys win and families are happy and, and it all pays off. And you go, this is why I'm doing it. So I've always thought that that's really cool and... uh Hey man, who knows? Maybe one day we'll be building our own Disneyland. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> uh, for people that want to uh, get a hold of get a hold of you guys, website that kind of stuff, social yeah. media. What do you guys have? So it, typically, best ways through the website, and it's it's triscarolaw.com, T-R-I-S-C-A-R-O law.com. Um, that has all our contact information. That's the best way to get a hold of me through. Awesome, there. awesome man, awesome. Hey, listen, I appreciate you coming on, shedding some light into this. What's your prediction on the Cavs? What's going to happen in the series? Well, I, I we've got to win the next two games. Yeah, we definitely. I mean, so <laughs> my, my prediction So you're is, saying there's still a chance. I, it you're is. Not, so, so you're not writing them off. So my prediction is this, if I can hedge a little bit. So yeah. my prediction is if we win the next two games, we're going to two home games, we're going to win the series. If, wow. we go, if we go down three to one, we lose one of the next two. I don't think That's it's That's it, enough. huh? You heard it here first, folks. Joe Triscaro. Check him out. TriscaroLaw.com. Yes. And uh, we'll link all that stuff up, man. Hey, thanks for coming. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate it, my friend. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Optimal Life. Really appreciate the support. And uh, if you guys enjoy what you're listening to and enjoy what you're hearing, as always, please click subscribe and Give us the five-star rating so we can continue to elevate the podcast within Apple Podcasts and everywhere else that the podcast is played and provided. And uh, leave us a comment. Leave us feedback. You could. Uh, we're always open to feedback, whether it's positive or negative. So uh, you know, we want to do whatever we can to improve the show. And if there's something that we're missing, then let us know. You could reach me also on Instagram at Nathan Haber. And uh, again, I know that you have a lot of listening options these days. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of people sharing different things. So 
If you are listening to this podcast and if you're a loyal listener to this podcast, from the bottom of my heart, I want to just say thank you. Uh, very grateful for that. And uh, we're going to continue providing you guys with the best content possible so that we can continue to live an optimal life and be our optimal and best selves. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks.